The overall topic of this talk is metta as a path to peace. And I will also deal with how we can deal with anger, aversion, hatred during the course of our metta meditation practice. Peace is something that we all want. Peace in ourselves, peace in the world. People want to live peacefully. People want to live in a peaceful country. But we also know that people or countries have been fighting with each other still are fighting with each other. There have been and there are still wars, conflicts and quarrels. And we also know that leaders have repeatedly tried to establish peace and they are still trying it up to this day. In a way, I find it quite amazing but also very sad that world leaders have not been successful in establishing lasting peace in our world. We know politicians, they use these big words of peace, of wanting to establish peace, or even of signing peace treaties, but then they use weapons to bring about peace. Already when I was a kid in my young age, I had been thinking, how can they, the politicians, how can they be so stupid to think that weapons bring about beautiful flowers of peace? Every child knows that an apple seed will produce apples or cucumber seeds, they will produce cucumbers. Weapons, they produce blood, hatred and enmity. I am sure you know this phrase. Peace is more than the absence of war. Most conflicts and wars, they arise because there is anger, aversion or ill will. And anger, ill will, aversion, these arise in the heart, in the mind of people. We also know that in the heart and mind of people there can arise kindness, compassion, understanding or confidence. So if we want to make the world a place free from anger, aversion and so on, then we have to ban these destructive emotions from our heart and mind. 
So the basic cause of all these different quarrels and conflicts and wars, the basic cause lies in the mind, in the heart of human beings. And you have heard, I mentioned it in my last Dhamma talk with a verse from a Dhammapada that everything originates in the mind, that every deed originates in the mind. And so, if we want to tackle this problem, we have to tackle it at its root. This means that these destructive and unwholesome thoughts or emotions of aversion, anger, hatred, ill-will, they must be first weakened and finally completely eradicated in each human being. So only when the hearts and mind of human beings are no longer controlled or fueled by anger and hatred, only then will people be, or then will peace be possible. Shantideva was a famous Buddhist master who lived in the 8th century. And he said, How many evil men could I kill? Their number is boundless as the sky. But if the thought of anger is killed, all enemies are killed. It's interesting to know that in the preamble to the UNESCO Constitution, it is stated, since war begins in the minds of men, it is in the minds of men that the defenses of peace must be built. Beautiful words, very true. But how come that countries still spend more money on weapons and warfare than on building defenses of peace? So, if it are possible to only el eliminate anger and aversion, this alone is not yet enough to create a good base for peace and mutual understanding. We have to replace these destructive thoughts and emotions with thoughts or emotion that actively create harmony and mutual understanding that conduce to peace. We know that the opposite of anger, aversion, ill-will, enmity, and so on, is loving-kindness 
the opposite of dosa is metta. And by now, you all know very well, metta is the wish for the welfare and happiness of all living beings. So metta is not only the absence of anger or hatred, but it is this heartfelt wish for all living beings to be happy and at ease. Through the practice of metta meditation, as we are engaging in here now, you have come to see and understand for yourself that wishing others to be happy and well actually makes us happy and well. Most of you have reported in the interviews that the heart and mind mind is increasingly becoming joyful and happy or also peaceful in these days. So when we are peaceful and calm, then we are at peace with ourselves, we are at peace with the world around us. And then whatever is happening to us or around us, it will not interfere with our peacefulness. We are simply at ease and in peace with ourselves and the world. And in this mode of being, we can meet each person or each situation in a peaceful way. We know all very well that anger, aversion and other destructive emotions are not really helpful and that they actually create so much suffering for us for others. And even if we direct our anger um, at another person, because we are angry at this person, so this anger has a great impact on ourselves. The anger, first of all, burns our heart and mind. It makes us feel not well, not good. A Sinhalese monk who lives in the Blue Mountains in Australia, he, he put it in this way, saying, becoming angry always means you are slowly killing yourself. Even if our anger is directed outward at somebody else, at the situation, it kills ourselves, it affects us.
Basically, we know this, but still we are prone to anger or just dislike, a little bit of ill will or frustration. And so, what is it that keeps the dislike or the anger arising again and again? What is it that keeps it so strong? What is it that gives so much power to anger, aversion, and all the rest of these forms of dosa? Basically, it's the identification with the ego, identification with the I or the me, the self. So when the I or the me, the ego has been wronged, when it has been insulted or hurt, the ego seems to have every good reason to get upset, to get angry. And it thinks it has every good reason to express the hurt or insult with angry and disapproving words or with even angry, disapproving deeds. And in a way, being able to express our hurt angrily, in a way, it feels so good. And as we can notice from our, from our own experience, somehow, somehow, it, we cannot really point a finger on it, but somehow the ego enjoys to be angry. Somehow it makes the ego feel good. It gives power to the ego. And so in this way, the ego becomes more solid. It's strengthened. Anger and other unwholesome emotions are ego boosters. They boost the ego. They inflate the sense of me, of I, the ego, and make it strong. And this is the reason why these destructive emotions are so difficult to overcome. That's why they come up again and again and again. In the Samyutta Nikaya, there is a short sutta which illustrates this deeply rooted conditioning very nicely. It's the story of the anger-eating demon. As I said, it's quite a short sutta, what follows here is a slightly enlarged version of it. And I really like this sutta because it takes such a simple image to show how the ego gets inflated and strong by anger and how it can be deflated. So once there lived 
a demon who had a very peculiar diet. He fed on the anger of others. All forms of dosa was his food, and his feeding ground was the human world. And so on this human, in this human world, there was no lack of food for him. Plenty of dislike and anger and hatred around. And so he found it quite easy to provoke a quarrel, a family quarrel, or a conflict, or even a war between countries. And especially whenever he succeeded in uh, causing a war, then he had plenty to eat for a long time. So this anger-eating demon, he did quite well. He was quite successful. And as it was no longer difficult to stir conflicts and wars in the human world, he thought, why not try it in the Deva realm? He knew there was a little bit less anger or dosa in the Deva realm, but he knew that also Devas were still prone to anger. And so, by magic power, he went to the Deva realm. And he chose a realm where the king of the Devas was King Saka. And as he transferred himself to that Deva realm, he arrived at the time when King Saka was absent. He was not in his palace. He was not sitting on the throne. And so the anger-eating demon went up to the throne and set himself on the throne, waiting what would happen, looking forward to a nice feast. It didn't take long when some devas walking past the audience hall saw this really ugly demon sitting on King Saka's throne. And so seeing this, they came inside quite upset, getting angry at the demon and shouting, get down from the throne. What do you think to sit on our beloved king's throne? Come down, you ugly demon. Hey! And the, the demon sat there, grinning, having a good feast. And with each angry word of the devas, the demon grew in size, in power, and in strength. And soon he was so big that his head almost touched the ceiling. And then, suddenly, King Saka arrived back 
and he entered the audience hall. And when King Saka saw this by now huge and ugly demon sitting on his throne, he was on, in no way shaken by this sight, because it is said that, kings, that the King Saka had already deeply understood the Dhamma, that his Dhamma eye had been opened, meaning that he had uh, attained the first stage of enlightenment. So unshaken by this huge and ugly demon sitting on his throne, he very slowly, politely walked up to the throne, then fell on his right knee, and with hands in Anjali, he said, Welcome, my dear friend. Please remain seated. You know, I can take another chair. Um, may I offer you some tea or coffee? Or maybe you prefer to have some organic fruit juice? Maybe you are hungry. You know, we have some beautiful Indian sweets. Or what about some yogurt? Or maybe you like some pizza? You know, our Italian devas that can make the most beautiful pizza. And as he was talking in this way, with each kind and friendly word, the demon shrunk and became smaller. And finally, as King Saka was talking to him politely, the demon had shrunk to the size of a pea. And then King Saka said one more friendly word, and whoop, the demon dissolved and disappeared. So as long as we feed the anger, the angry ego, the anger, the anger ego is growing and getting stronger. So by feeding it, we solidify it. And this is the vicious circle. The angrier we get, the stronger gets the anger ego. And the stronger the anger ego gets, the stronger will the anger become. So to get out of this vicious circle, we have to starve the anger-eating demon. And how can we starve it? Yes, by feeding it kind and friendly food kind and friendly thoughts, kind words, friendly deeds, or in other words, meta-thoughts, meta-words, meta-deeds. That's the trick. It's simple, isn't it? But then it becomes a bit more difficult to put it into practice. 
However, next time you get angry or upset or just a little bit irritated, try to remember this story and then start feeding the anger, the dislike, the irritation with kind and friendly food. You will see, it will work wonders. Not to react with anger is not a sign of weakness. On the contrary, it is a sign of strength. If one can stay calm and kind, this shows how strong the heart and mind actually is. It shows how well the heart and mind is trained and educated. So to stay calm, kind and friendly is a sign of strength. It's not a sign of weakness. Persons who exemplify this inner strength are persons like, for example, the Dalai Lama or Aung San Suu Kyi. Both of them are deeply convinced that lasting peace for the country can only be established with peaceful means. You know that both of them have received the Peace Nobel Prize for their efforts to resolve their respective problems by peaceful means. There are also what we would call very ordinary persons who have come to deeply understand that the use of anger is actually counterproductive. That they have understood that the presence of anger is actually causing more problems than solving problems. The following story, this happened about 15 years ago in Switzerland. At that time, a school teacher was shot by the father of a student. And the student was a girl of 13 years. And she came from an Alban Muslim family. They lived in Switzerland. And this girl suffered from depression and she was about to commit, commit, commit suicide. The teacher knew that she uh, suffered from depression and the teacher was able to rescue her in the last minute before she was going to jump off a bridge. But the father of this girl got very angry with the teacher because he could not imagine that the teacher just wanting to help his daughter, 
he thought that he was having an affair with his daughter. And in his anger, a few days later, he shot the teacher on his way back home. Now the teacher had been married. His wife was pregnant with the second child. So the wife could have good reason to be angry, to be angry with the murderer of her husband. She could have fallen into resentment, anger, ill will. She could have drowned in her grief and big loss. However, she decided to choose the path of love. Choosing the path of love for her own sake and also for the sake of her two children. Twelve years after the loss of her husband, she wrote a book in which she described her struggles and her deep inner transformation. And she even came to a place where she could say that everything that had happened in her life was good in the way it happened. In other words, it was a full acceptance of the unfolding of her life. In her own words, she said, to make sure that my children did not suffer from traumatic reactions, each kind word and each smile mattered. Each minute of being fully present mattered. It mattered whether I took a breath based on anger or on love. It was so much more important to watch a little bird with the children than to complain about the terrible things that happened in the past. So choosing the path of love, metta, we can say, she found inner peace. In the Visuddhimagga, at the beginning of the chapter on how to practice metta meditation, it is said that we actually should start with the reflections on the dangers of dosa and the reflections on the benefits of patience. So here I want to present some of these reflections that can be used. First, a few reflections on the danger of dosa. Dosa meaning all forms of anger, aversion, ill will, hatred, dislike, and so on. So we can reflect that 
when dosa exists in the mind, we are no longer able to distinguish between good and bad, or that we are no longer able to distinguish between what is wholesome and what is unwholesome. Or reflecting that when dosa is present in the mind, we know we do no longer know what is lawful or what is against the law. Or when dosa is present in the mind, we are liable to make many mistakes. Or reflecting that when dosa is present in the mind at the time of death, our minds will be tormented and confused. And it is said that dying in such a state is not a very good thing. One will be reborn in a lower uh, state of existence. Then there are some more unwanted effects of dosa. It can lead to high blood pressure, it can lead to various heart diseases, or even lead to stroke. Also, an angry person does not look really nice or attractive. Or due to dosa, people are unable to sleep or unable to eat. Then a few reflections on the benefits of patience. Sayadaw Uindaka has talked about patience. The Pali word for it is kanti, patience, tolerance, or forbearance. We know kanti is one of the paramis, the perfections. Kanti is also one of the 38 blessings, mangalas. So as Sayadaw Uindaka has explained, patience or forbearance means that we do not retaliate with anger when we are abused or scolded or shouted at or ill-treated. But we should understand it doesn't mean that all the time we need to stay completely passive. If necessary, we can take actions. We can do something, but we simply should be careful that our action is not based on anger or aversion, but that we do it based on a benevolent, 
state of mind. The Buddha extolled or talked about the dangers and extolled the benefits of patience in a sutta, which is found in the Anguttara Nikaya. So here is a brief summary of the benefits of patience. If we are in doubt with patience, then we will be laughed by many people. In doubt with patience, we will be free from dangers. In doubt with patience, we will be free from faults. In doubt with patience, we will not die with a confused mind. And in doubt with patience, because of not dying with a confused mind, because of not dying with an angry mind, we will be reborn in a good destination. And as it is said, there is no benefit that excels patience or forbearance. And as Sayadaw Uindaka has said, patience is the weapon of the virtuous person. Or patience is like the power of an army that can resist the enemy. There are many positive aspects of patience. And if we repeatedly reflect on the qualities of patience, then we will come to better understand the benefits of Kanti. And better understanding the benefits of Kanti, we will be more inclined to be patient. <laughs> So then we will be more inclined to be patient. We will be more willing to be patient and not to give in to impatience, not to give in to aversion or ill will. And in this way, our power of patience will gradually become stronger. In the late 90s, when I uh, was staying at the forest center of Chamyeyeta Meditation Center in Mobi, which is about 30 kilometers north of Yangon, at that time we had a foreign meditator who was, who had quite an aversive temperament or character. Very easily he got upset or angry or disliked this and that. 
And somehow he knew that he had this aversive temperament. And one day when Sayadaw Ujanaka came to Mobi to do the interviews with the foreign meditators, this um, yogi asked him why Westerners seem to have more anger than the Burmese people. He must somehow have noticed that Burmese people were less getting angry or less getting upset than people in the West. And I was present there at these interviews and Sayadaw Ujanaka then said, this is so because Westerners do not understand the value and benefit of patience. And I thought, oh yes, it's so true. Like in the West, it seems that this quality of patience has uh, become like an awkward commodity because everything is instantly available. I mean, that was in the late 90s, so maybe some 18 years ago. Nowadays, it's it's even uh, even more so that things are just one touch, one click away, available instantly. So these reflections on the dangers of dosa and the benefits of patience can be used in metta meditation when we get stuck in negativity or when it no longer is possible to cultivate loving kindness. So then when we can resort to some of these reflections. That's uh, one way uh, to deal with upcoming anger in metta meditation. Usually, Sayado U Indaka tells the meditators to deal with anger during metta meditation in this way. So the first step is trying to ignore the anger trying to ignore the angry thoughts, the angry emotion, and simply to continue to develop metta. So trying to put these thoughts away, trying to let them go. And this is like turning the head into the direction of metta. Let's say that's this direction and not turning the head in the direction of the angry thoughts. So just turning the head over into the direction of metta, trying to ignore these angry thoughts, trying to continue with the metta. That's the basic and straightforward approach to deal with dosa in metta meditation.
Then the second way, like if we really try this, but these angry thoughts keep coming back or we kind of fall into them, get, get carried away by them. So if we are simply not strong enough to simply continue with the metta, then the second step would be to engage in some of these reflections, the reflections on the dangers of dosa, the reflections on the benefits of patience. Then, as a third step, if step number two, one and two, um, do not really help, so then the third step would be to recall a meta person. So to bring up a meta person in your heart, in your mind. Like any person you know whom you really respect for her or his strong meta. For some, it can be one's grandmother, or it can be a teacher. For Sayadaw Uindaka, it's the Buddha. And then, as a fourth step, if the steps one to three have not really helped to deal with this uh, anger, so then the fourth step would be to deal with the anger um, with vipassana, with mindfulness. So then resort to do kind of vipassana meditation, so to be mindful of this anger, to deal with the anger as you would deal with it in vipassana meditation. Two days ago, you have started to develop loving-kindness for a disliked person, for a person you hate, or an enemy. In other words, for a person we do not have naturally kind and friendly feelings. And this might be quite difficult or challenging. And at times we might think, it's not possible. But the Buddha was very adamant in saying that we need to overcome all forms of dosa, all forms of dislike, hatred, enmity, resentment, having a grudge. So if we want to become completely liberated, there is no way around it. And to this end, to weaken and overcome all forms of dosa, the practice of metta, metta meditation, can be a great support. 
on the way to the complete eradication of dosa, it, help, it greatly helps to weaken anger. It weakens anger by strengthening its opposite, by strengthening kindness, friendliness, benevolence. Of course, the final eradication of dosa, this happens through understanding and wisdom. A verse in the Dhammapada highlights the fact that anger and enmity are only overcome by love and not by hate, not by retaliating with anger and ill will. Of course, it's meta-love, not worldly love. Venerable Viranyani has mentioned this verse yesterday in her talk, but because it's such a beautiful and meaningful verse, I want to mention it here again. Hatred never ceases by hatred. By love alone it will cease. This is an eternal law. Although it seems to be so difficult to let go of these negative thoughts, destructive emotions of anger, resentment and all the like, we should make an effort anyway, because it is for our sake, it is for our well-being, it is for our peace of mind. You know, hatred, ill will, enmity, these are really toxic and unhealthy mental states. They are like poison for the heart. But as we know, they are nurtured and kept alive by repetitive, repetitive thoughts of ill will, anger, enmity, and so on. In the case we are angry at another person, have aversive feelings against another person, so nurturing the anger towards the other person is like drinking poison oneself and then hoping that the other person would die of it. So instead of nurturing this toxic, unhealthy, burning uh, thoughts and emotions of anger, ill will and so on, it's so much more beautiful to cultivate its opposite, so, more, so much more beautiful to dwell in benevolence, in kindness, in friendliness. 
Some of you may know Bhikkhu Analayo, a German monk who is a prolific writer, but also an ardent meditator. And he has said, Every minute, every second I dwell in metta, Sorry, I begin again. <laughs> every minute, every second I dwell in metta is a moment where I'm free of anger. It is training the mind in experiencing the beauty in being without anger. And here comes another example of a person who had deeply understood that all notion of anger or enmity is first of all poisoning one's own heart and mind. It's a Burmese man who had been in prison for many, many years because he had been a member of the NLD, the National League for Democracy, when it was not yet legal. And during his many years in prison, he was careful to not let the mind be overcome by habitual patterns, that is, the habitual patterns of anger or ill will, hatred. So he tried to see the wardens and the officers in the prison not as his enemies, as one usually would do, but he tried to see them as his friends. So he tried to prevent any feeling of enmity towards people who simply had to carry out their work, their duty. In an interview with Alan Clement, Clements, this man said, during that time, that time in prison, I made it a habit to practice generosity. I offered them, the wardens, the officers, some of the food that my wife brought me here into the prison. With this act of generosity, which is also an act of kindness, I wanted to prevent any notion of seeing them as my enemies. So I usually shared some of my food with them. They too had a hard life in prison even though they were only working there and not being imprisoned. So even if peace out there in the world is not yet a reality, even if people still consider others to be their enemies, it is possible to establish peace in ourselves. 
it is possible to abandon the notion of enmity. The cultivation of metta provides a path to inner peace so that we can be at peace with ourselves, that we can be at peace with the world. And I like to finish this talk with a short verse. I don't know where it is from, but anyway, it's a very nice word. First, treat everyone with kindness, even those who are rude to you not because they are not nice, but because you are nice. So may we all continue to walk on this path to inner peace, graciously and with a smile on our face. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.